Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica, and we are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we're going to talk about birth, babies, breastfeeding, nursing practice, and more from our perspective as nurses in the hospital world. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a newly pregnant, first-time parent, or expecting your second baby and you want a better experience this time around, this podcast is for you. Join me and my co-host and special guests as we discuss birth from the womb to the room. Hi, everybody. This is Liz and Shana, and we are the Birth Nurses Podcast. We have a really special guest today, my friend, Sunny Barish. I met Sunny almost nine years ago as she was a student in my birth class here in Santa Monica at Birth and Beyond. And we have gone on to have three babies together. Um, I was her doula and number four is on the way. And I'm really excited to have you here. Hi, Sunny. Hi. Hi, Shana. Hey. This is going to be exciting. So, Sunny, we want to talk a little bit today about the preparations for parenthood what kind of conversations you had, what kind of negotiations you went into, were you thinking big family, small family? Talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. Well, before we do that, can we get a little intro on you? Where are you from? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about your family. we'll do that first. Sure. Um, I live in Los Angeles. My husband and I met my first job out of college, so we've been together for 15 years. Um, My oldest is eight, so I guess that kind of gives you a timeline of how long (laughs) we were together before we had kids. I mean, we we got married, um, I was in my late 20s, and then we had, you know, a couple years of just career and that kind of thing, and then um, I had Maya right after I turned 30. Um, I, you know, I think because we were a bit younger, we didn't intentionally talk about it as much. It sort of happened organically. I will say the one, a couple things that we wanted to do um, was travel a lot. So we like decided, you know, we took a couple big trips and then we decided our last trip was going to be Italy before we started really trying. So, um, we did, you know, we went to Italy and then um, I think I got pregnant faster than we thought we would. I went off the pill and, you know, um, it sort of just happened with her. And I didn't realize how lucky we were to have like an easy, you know, all of everything. She was a very easy pregnancy. We had no complications, no scares, nothing. And I mean, I was pretty ignorant at the time. I didn't have a lot of friends that had already gone through all of that kind of stuff. Like we were on the relatively young side. So I guess ignorance is bliss. We sort of just went with it. And so when you say that you didn't really think about it that much, did you, you said you didn't think you would get pregnant that easily. So you had time. I hear that a lot. I hear yeah. that so much. Don't you, Shana? Like, oh, oh I yeah. just didn't think it was mm-hmm. going to happen. I heard it from my own niece. So what about that? What were you expecting? I don't know. I think I went to the OB, I got off the pill and they sort of just give you the rundown of 
you know, what's average and like what to expect. So I didn't, I, I was sort of, I mean, I have to say I was a, a bit clueless about it all, um, about all of it, to be honest. Um, I mean, now I have a, a, the majority of my friends are moms, but at the time I was sort of, there was like me and two of my friends and one of them was pregnant at the same time as me. So it was sort of like, we just, I didn't have a lot of like firsthand knowledge of what that was like. And now obviously I have like all these friends with stories of IVF and like, you know, I had a miscarriage between my and Max. So it was just all the, you know, I just, we sort of just were lucky and went into it sort of blindly. Um, I mean, I have to say when I was younger, I didn't think I was going to have kids. Um, I just, I'm not one of those people that like gravitates towards other people's children. When I see them on the street, I'm not like so interested. <laughs> and number four is on the way to do Yeah. Wow, like, what a transition. You know, I know. I know. It's like, I mean, I, f- I kind of still feel like that a little bit. Like I love my friend's kids. but yeah. yeah, I think that's good for our listeners to hear because a lot of people will ask me too, did you always know you wanted to be a mom? And I was thinking of asking you that question too. It's kind of something that's like, well, I didn't think about it necessarily. And then it happened and here we are. And I, I like it yeah. so far. So I guess we'll have some yeah. more babies. You know, we were talking a lot about how, um, you know, there is a school of thought that there needs to be some very significant preparation and very deep conversations and looking at uh, values and what your family would look like and how you would raise them. And are you saying that for you, it just happened organically? Did you and John have any of those conversations about a big family, a small family, education? I mean, we didn't talk so much about number. We both came from one of two. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I sort of knew I didn't want to have an only child if that was an option. But we didn't really, like I said, like we didn't talk about the actual like planning. We sort of were just like, let's do it one step at a time. But I will say in terms of values, we had talked about that a lot. Um, I mean, we come from different backgrounds. He's um, Jewish and clearly I'm not. I mean, I guess your listeners can't see that I'm Asian, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not. And so when we were kind of like sort of dating and, you know, getting more serious and I met his family and he met mine, like just conversations came up, you know, just Mm -hmm. him seeing how my parents are and vice versa. Um, Like then that's kind of what got the conversation going in terms of like what we value and like what's important to us and all those kinds of things. But I wouldn't say that we like sat down and were like, okay, we might have a baby. Let's talk about X, Y, Z. But I will say, I think like now that I'm older and I look back on it, it's like, there's a lot of, I don't want to say like hidden ways to know, but it's like just observing John. It's like, we had two dogs and he was really responsible with the dogs. Like like made sure he took them yeah. on walks. He always did the poop, like just mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. very responsible, taking them to the vet. And like, we were both like that. So I think it's like not a conversation, but sort of just an observation. Yeah. Like you kind of just know if the other person's going to like leave you hanging, like do his own thing. I don't know. You know, there's, there's lots of different types of parenting. And so 
I think just by being together for a bit, like I kind of knew what kind of, what I'd kind of be stuck with, you know? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you guys had this friendship established, which is what we talked about with Nicole, Nicole yeah. that that's the basis of a good relationship and marriage is that friendship that you know yeah. you can trust each other. And you were seeing those, you were, yeah, you were observing how he was taking care of the dogs. Yeah. And just had this intuition, like, he's going to be a yeah, good I mean, dad. That's you know, awesome. we make fun of ourselves now because we were, like, so serious about our dogs. And now I'm like, dude, <laughs> they're dogs. Like, they're fine. <laughs> That's amazing. Right, absolutely. So once you did find out you were pregnant with Maya, mm -hmm. that sister mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. correct? Did you kind of launch into imagining what it was going to be like as a parent and how did that progression go? Um, it sounds like you knew you needed to take a birth class. Yes. So that's step one. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Uh, so John and I both worked a lot, a lot, a lot um, before we had kids. And so that, so I sort of, I worked pretty late into my pregnancy Um I mean, we took, and I, I feel like I just didn't, there's all these books and things and I don't know, it's a little, a bit overwhelming, all the information that's out there. And so I ended up finding Liz's birth class because it was sort of, I liked that it was general, like it wasn't, didn't lean one way or the other, which is, I mean, there's, there's every book under the sun for whatever ideology that you, you want, yes. you know? Yes. And so it's like, co-sleeping not co-sleeping natural not you know all the pain meds like all everything like there's everything under the sun and so when I found Liz Liz's class I appreciated that it was sort of the basics and then you can go from there and so um we took a birth class I mean I had a couple friends that already had kids so I sort of knew what their life was like but not really like you just don't know what it's like until you're in it. Um, I have to say, I didn't do a lot of, I got like the basic like Mayo Clinic book and what to expect and that kind of stuff. Um, I read Bringing Up Bebe, which was trendy at the time. And I was, oh, after scary. I read that, I was like, okay, lady, whatever. Um, um, and then um, I did join Donna Halloran's baby group. Hmm. which was a huge lifesaver for post having a child. Like I, I knew none of that. Like we are definitely going to talk more about that. Yeah. Donna's class was a big thing here in Santa Monica. Yeah. I love, I love her. She probably still does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that was a huge help. Like I was not, I wouldn't say I was someone that was just an intuitive parent, like just right. knew like, Oh, they need to take, I mean, I'm maybe I would have figured out, but I just, you know, the nap schedule, the solids, the, uh, I mean, everything. And now, now with a third, I'm like, whatever. But, you know, the first time around, it was, so, everything was such a thing, you know? I'd like to ask a question about that having to do specifically with your relationship with John. And mm -hmm. I know John, mm -hmm. I adore John. He's obviously <laughs> seamlessly integrated into a house full of children. Um, but let's just say in the beginning, when you, you come home with a new baby and you're re 
defining your relationship mm -hmm. or did you, did you guys just barrel through? Did you have conversations about help and how you're going to help me and support me in breastfeeding and sleep and who gets to nap? Mm -hmm. Or did you find that the two of you just seamlessly sort of organically moved into that mm -hmm. mode? Neither I don't know. I think it was a combination of the two. Um, mm -hmm. John and I are both the oldest. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that sort of gives some insight into yeah. how we work. And I, we both can't be the oldest in this house. So we sort of split what topics we are the oldest on. Mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, that's sort of just happened through the years. But um, I don't, when, when she first came home, my mom stayed with us for a month and mm -hmm. she was a huge help. I mean, I didn't even know it at the time, but she sort of did all the things that I didn't want to do, like dishes and laundry. And she just did them, you know, but we lived in a little bungalow in Venice. And so at the same time, it was a bit overwhelming because everybody was just so close together all the time. And I, it was like the first time I really felt like, okay, you're a parent and your parents there. And it's like that weird, sometimes mm -hmm. it's comforting and helpful. And sometimes it's like really suffocating. But, um, so she was with us for a month. How do you think John would, how would you think John would perceived all that? What was, what do you think his feelings were about? I've got Sonny's mom here. I think, I'm the dad, I have a new baby, and Sunny's mom's here. Oh, well, I think in a way it helped him because <laughs> she did a lot of things that he didn't want to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and honestly, you're so tired at the beginning. I think it's, I think for him, he was like, okay, like he sort of took on like, I need to walk the dogs. I need to do all these other things. So he would just like run errands or whatever when he needed some space and that kind of thing. Well, that's also mm -hmm. great. You know, that's a great, I mean, it, I hate to use the word division of responsibilities, but, you know, when moms are there and they take over, which those of us who have had a mom come and take over, I, I am so grateful because I know there's a lot of moms out there that don't have right. that. That alleviates, you know, just to, I guess the, the big picture is that John didn't feel pushed out. He felt alleviated to be able to do other things sort of around the periphery while you're breastfeeding and he's holding his baby and mom's yeah. doing kitchen work and, and making meals for you guys. So that's I mean, great. I would, I remember Maya's as a baby, like, and his role a lot more than I would say like the other two kids. Mm -hmm. Cause he sort of, with the other two, he takes the older one, you know, which is a huge help, but it's less like yeah. baby focused. And she was born in March. Yeah. And so I always remember he would be watching March Madness and I'd just be like, just hold her like <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right, I think at night he did, we sort of like came to the agreement of shifts of like, I fed her, you change her, that kind of thing. I mean, it sounds like that each kid had their personality and that the two of you just seemed pretty seamless into integrating their personalities and their weaning schedules and all that into your lives. It 
doesn't sound like there was a lot of angst around it. And for this pregnancy, are you expecting a boy or a girl? A girl. Are we not? Oh, you're saying out loud. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. The oh, reveal was really wow. sweet. So Definitely. I was convinced <laughs> it was a boy. I was like convinced it was a boy. And Max had said, I really want a brother. And I was like, oh, that would be so great for him. But then I was like, you know, you just get what you get, you know? And yeah. then when they called, John and I listened to the voicemail together. And he was like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of girls. Maya was, she's going to be almost nine when the baby's born. Like three months yeah. shy of nine. So that's yeah, quite a big gap. Um, you know, she sort of said are you serious? Are you serious? About 10 times. And then once she realized that it was actually real, she cried a little bit because I think she was worried about like the unexpected. So then we were like, you don't have to share a room, you know, your Mm -hmm. life is not going to change. Um, because she said, can I still do all the things I do after school? Can I still have play dates? Like, am I still going to have time for that? And I was like, yeah, you're not the mom. Like my job is you keep, you still have your eight-year-old life. And like all the other stuff is like daddy and I's job, not yours. So. Okay. I think this is a very profound thing that we that you touched on right here um, is the oldest child of many siblings feeling responsible and giving her that permission and that reassurance that her life continues and I'm the mom yeah, and you're the big sister and your life moves on. That's so sweet and such a great message for people that have lots of kids. I know in my father's family, my father always says he was raised by his sister, my Aunt Becky, but he was the youngest of 10. Oh, my God. And so, you know, at 7, 8, 9, 10, I wonder how much real parenting time there is. There's love and there's loudness and there's, you know, one for all. But my father's oldest brother was 20 years older than he was. Do you know what I mean? That's- so here you've got this child who already is so sophisticated in her thinking that she's concerned about her role. And that reassurance is amazing. I love that. Well, she, I mean, we also kind of call her mini mommy because sometimes Coco Mm -hmm. won't listen to me, but she'll listen to her. And so, (laughs) you know, I think it's like, like, not that we give her conflicting messages, but like, you know, with COVID, everybody was home a lot more And Mm -hmm. we were all just in each other's space a lot more. So now she's sort of back to real life. And yeah, it's been, you know, half of Coco's life has been during COVID. And so a lot of times it's like, can you help me get this one thing? Like, can you run upstairs or this? And she's always happy to do it, but it's just, you know, I think we needed to say that because it's been sort of like sort of two different parenting styles, lives in the last year and a half um, for her. Um, And her and Coco are really close and Coco wants her to read a book to bed and not me. And so it's sort of like, and I said to Maya, like, I always ask you if you want to do it, you can always say no. And she was like, oh yeah, true. But, you know, until you say it out loud to her, she's like, and she's just a responsible kid. So I feel like she'll always say yes, unless she really doesn't want to. But so you think she really embodies like the oldest child, yeah. more responsible, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, so great. you know, Max likes to help, but only on his terms. So. Of course. <laughs> right. He's only four. How does, affect, how does it affect me? What's in it for me? Yeah. How? <laughs> like, he'll be like, I can help right now. I'm like, okay, I, I don't have anything for you to do, but okay. <laughs> Find something for you to do. Um, well, it sounds like you and John have set such a solid foundation for your family. And that allows space for each of your kids to thrive and in their own personalities. And I just commend you guys on that. As as Maya gets older, we are, you know, sort of learning it on the fly of what is okay for him, okay for me. Well, I think we can transition now into talking about your birth experiences. I heard a little bit from Liz about your births, how they were fast and furious. But first of all, how did Liz's birth class prepare you and John for birth? You kind of mentioned it was neutral. You knew what your options were. But did you get to the labor and delivery room and you were like, yes, I remember this? Or were you still like, ah, well, let's let's go back a little bit first. Sunny then hired me as her doula. She called me up and she said, I feel like you're, you know, I think you said something like, I feel like your personality and John and our personality are similar in that, you know, my class, I, I, I my class is very specific to what I'm like. I'm not a different person than I am in class than I am elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? And I tell people, this is what my class is about. It is my version of a mixed method class. And we're going to talk about it all. If you want to hear only about um, non-medicated birth, or if you want a hypnobirthing class specifically, or if you want a birthing within, I have great teachers. So I've never had any problem um, steering people away from my class who don't seem like that's the class that they want. And I, th- I think that that's important. And Sunny and John came sort of with a completely open like mind and am I right Sunny just sort of sat down on the chairs and well I'll start by saying I I had read a bunch of things and you know I think hypnobirthing was very trendy at the time except I got the terms wrong and so we went to a class that was, I thought was called hypnobirthing, but it was hypnosis for birthing. And John and I oh. like literally were laughing hysterically. Um, <laughs> the first thing they do is like, um, okay, you put, you close your eyes, you put your hands really far, you put your hands together. And then she says like, in one hand, I place a very heavy book and the other hand, I place a feather. And then at the end, you open your eyes and like some people's hands are like this, like so far apart. And she's like, the farther apart your hands are, the easier it is to hypnotize you. And literally John and I's hands had not moved like a millimeter. <laughs> like, I was like, uh, time to leave. <laughs> And John, John basically was like, can we go to a real birthing class? 
<laughs> I, I, I want to say that there, you know, we, Shane and I have clients mm-hmm. or patients in the hospital that are, you know, that are hypnobirthing. And that I think whatever it is that works for you and whatever it is that you gravitate towards um, is what's for you. Yeah. The fact that you guys were both with your hands together <laughs> and that they hadn't moved and that you were finding like, humor in it. This isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah, this isn't going to work. Um, so, oh, that's pretty funny. you know, I mean, I, honestly, Liz is class was so helpful. I didn't even know like really when you were supposed to go to the hospital and all these things. Um, I mean, you read about it, but I feel like I just was like, I, I don't, how am I going to know? Like, I, it sounds so strange now that I've been through it, but it's like, of course you, you know, but at the time I was like, just by how far apart they're like, how do you know? Um, and just some of the things that Liz had said were really helpful in the class and I just had no idea about, about like, you know, not waiting past the point, but sort of like the longer you can stay at home, the less the snowball effect of everything else happens. And so, right. you know, I, I have to say, I, I didn't go into it thinking that I was only going to have a natural birth. I sort of was like, I'll try it. And I, and if there, if people have been doing this for hundreds of years and I'm at a hospital and I'm safe, like it, you know, and if anything happened, the baby would be safe, then I might as well try it. People have been doing it for like, my body is made to do this. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. I just thought yeah, I would after try. meeting after meeting you guys and listening to you know, talking to you after class, I was interested to find out how this was going to go. And when we had our first doula talk, yeah, that you were interested in trying a non-medicated birth, I was like, oh, so we're gonna we're gonna change the game a little bit and talk about how we're gonna try to help you achieve that. Yeah, I mean. I think in your little bungalow in Venice. I don't even. I, I know. <laughs> You'll have been to three houses, Liz, by the time I we're know, done. I was going to say, that's right. That's right. This next one's going to be at your new house. I and, and I loved the house in between. I was uh, telling Shana that that was the house where when I checked you when you were in the bathtub, I'm like, oh you God. have to get out of the bathtub oh, yeah. now. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to. I'm so glad I get out of that bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did the, you? The OB is going to think I did this home birth on purpose. <laughs> I am never going to hear the end of it. I'm like, you need to get out. And we're you know, walking out the door. I know. That was funny. I'm like wiping her legs down with a towel. <laughs> oh, gosh. And she is not happy when we get to the hospital. I'm like, oh, boy, we're going to, we got to make it upstairs. We're just going to make it upstairs. I know. I Good. Yeah. So that was your second. That was, story. No, that was yeah. my third. Oh, the, oh third. the third. That was the yeah. third one. So let's talk about the first one a little bit. Okay. Um, let's talk about your first uh, labor. Was it something of what you expected? No. Tell me what you what you thought <laughs> it was going to be like. I well, know we had some hours. You had some hours of early labor for sure. Yeah, and you know I know everyone says this, but like. Okay, yes, you shouldn't be getting your information from movies, but like the media does everyone a disservice. Like literally everyone. I mean, no, you don't most normal people don't go in with full hair and makeup. I mean, I'm sure we live in Los Angeles, plenty of people do. Um I did not. That's true. Um <laughs> 
did not have my glam squad. What was your, let's talk about your early labor. What was your early labor like? Um, you know, I had Braxton Hicks for a long time. A long, right, long I was going to remind you because I did yeah. pull your little folder out. Yeah, <laughs> you I had, had Braxton, Braxton Hicks for a long time. Um, and I honestly, I don't know if this is medically true, but I feel like because I had them for so long, it did make everything else like I felt like for a very little discomfort, I was making progress that sometimes people go in and there's, there's zero. I was two, I was two centimeters, I think for two weeks. So yeah, it is very common. Lots of times when Shane and I check our patient cervixes and say, you know, you're three and they go, that can't be, I'm, I'm not in very much pain at all. Yeah. Well, it absolutely can be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. So I was two centimeters for two weeks. I we remember knew that going in, right. We knew that going yeah. in that you were already somewhat effaced and dilated. And I do remember sitting on the birth ball for like ever. And then I was like, oh, they're five minutes apart, but they weren't painful. They were just crampy. And John was like, we need to go. We need to go right now. I was like, no, <laughs> call Liz. Like, we're not going to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they didn't become like real contraptions for hours, like uh, hours. And then I was yeah. like, oh, the, this is what they mean by real contraptions versus just, mm-hmm. you know. I think I, I, we sent John to bed first. Yeah. And I was like, Sonny and I are going to hang out down here and we're going to do some stuff together. And then we're going to see it. Then Sonny went to sleep. And then and I woke up. In bed. And then she woke me up downstairs on yeah. the sofa and said, okay, I woke up and now they really hurt. That's when yeah. we did a cervical exam. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I don't remember how, I think we, when we got, we left, I was five or yeah. something like that. So mm-hmm. I do remember being like, I'm going to take a shower. I don't know why I was weird about that. And so I did. Mm-hmm. Um, she was fast. I mean, I think we got there at two. She came out at three 30. Wow. It was fast. My, t- my second and third were delivered by the hospitalist on call. Right. Right. I remember <laughs> because your doctor- main attending right. OB didn't make it. But no, she was across the, the street. Time- <laughs> No, <laughs> she came in and I said, don't leave because the first, the, yeah, I remember the first time Dr. Morris got, she said, I'm going to go home. She's a primate. And I went, well, she, but she went from two to five very, very quickly. And she's really hurting. And now she's seven. And she went, she did, she turned around. They called her when she was already on the freeway. She turned around and hightailed it back and just got there. Yes. Sunny. How do you remember anything about that time where you felt that baby coming down and out? Do you remember ever saying, I changed my mind, I want an epidural? I do not remember you saying that. No. You were very, very specifically, you had a lot of intent all the way through. I mean, I was like, okay, we're doing this. And then, I mean, luckily it went fast, you know? Yeah. I Mm -hmm. I think it went so fast that I, I couldn't really be like, I changed my mind. Like I didn't have time to even think that. It was like, it's going. I think poor John looked so so nervous (laughs) and he looked so (laughs) petrified. And I'm like, this is this is exactly what you want. This is dream birth. This is but you know, it's like again fast. Yeah. He like he's never experienced that. I didn't have any pain meds. So I think he thought like 
oh, it's going to be quiet. And then like, they're going to say push. (laughs) And I was like literally making animal noises. And he was like, oh my God. Yes. (laughs) I kept telling him, it's fine. It's okay. I think he was really worried about you. Like, yes, because we have, especially with my, I think for some reason they gave me oxygen. And so I think all of it, just like the visual of that, like freaked him out. But, um, I don't know. And you know, when you're going fast, there's a lot of people in the room. Yeah. But I do remember specifically looking at Dr. Morris and being like, why is she just standing in the corner? And you were like, she's waiting for the baby to come out. I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. She's just waiting for you to bear down and like, she doesn't have to be doing anything. You're doing everything. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You did it. So, I mean. You did it. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, number two. Let's talk about Max. Um, so you were induced. I was induced because they thought he had IUGR, which right. he came out six pounds, 13 ounces. So he didn't have IUGR, but they wouldn't let me go past. IUGR is intrauterine growth restriction for our listeners who don't know. And how much should Maya weigh? Um, she is, she would, I think she was 612. And yeah. Max was and six, Max 13. Um, and I, right. I mean, this is a bit off topic about the birth, but um, luckily my OB was very accommodating as long as it was safe. So uh, I was monitored heavily starting 36 weeks because at any point they were like, if the amniotic fluid is not enough, if we think he's not growing from week to week, um, we're going to induce. And like every single time we went in, I was like, can I go another week? I was very vocal about going another week and just sort of seeing, I mean, obviously if he wasn't growing and it wasn't safe, I would have, you know, taken their advice, but I would just, um, I, I sort of asked a lot of very good questions. We talked about it a lot. And the three main things, fluid, placenta, baby weight, we were all inching towards the right direction. And the OB and the perinatologist were like, okay, keep yeah. going. And when do we, um, when'd you get induced with Max? At, uh, one day shy of 40. You were almost 40 yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. Um, and that, and how many go, weeks were you with He Maya? was five days early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then what about Coco? Um, <laughs> she was six days late. <laughs> Late. Yeah, she was posted. There's no no, pattern. and I was convinced Coco was going to be early, and they kept saying, you know, she's so much bigger than the other ones. Why isn't she, Liz? Why isn't she coming? I'm like, because she's not ready. To be and ready. but uh-huh. I'm, it's forty in two oh days, but she's not ready. She to was that. not. Just yep. <laughs> Don't come when they're ready. Yeah, uh-huh. she, yeah, she was big. She was big. And nobody bugged her to induce this time. And wow, like, it'll come. Yeah, yeah she yeah. was. So your induction with Max, yes. once you got into the active phase, that did not take long either. No, but it was, that one was so intense. So th- I asked Dr. Yes. Crooks to first break my bag. So she did. And like, you know, that the other one sort of happened with contract or Maya happened with a contraction. Yeah. So it didn't feel like my brain wasn't like, oh, here's a big switch. Like it sort of was like, I was already in discomfort and then the, my water broke. But then with him, I felt, I, I was like nothing. It's like I was walking around 
with no symptoms. And then th mm -hmm. she broke my back and I was like, oh my God, you know, but then that didn't, yeah. it didn't, it was still 10, 15 minutes apart. So then they gave me Pitocin, which I was like trying to avoid, but, mm. and then I was you, she had very, you had very low dose yeah. pitocin. Didn't take much to get you into labor. No, not at all. But then I was, I mean, I thank, thank you, goodness you were there because I had two in a row and I was like, I don't know what to do. I was so uncomfortable. I like literally could not think. Like I probably would have just stayed curled up in a ball, but Liz was like, no. <laughs> this was the only time so you that were unmedicated during your induction yeah. as yeah. well. Oh yeah. You went completely unmedicated. Yeah. I mean, That's I amazing. wasn't. It was quick after the Pitocin got started, but she didn't, she never got to a high dose Pitocin. It was very low dose, but it went re she got really intensely yeah. uncomfortable really quickly. And then, I mean, at one point I was like, if this keeps going, I am going to need an epidural because I'm so exhausted. I think it had been like an hour of, I, I don't even remember. I mean, they gave me the Pitocin at 10, I think, and Max came out around two but I think around like between 11 and 12, I was like, or closer to the end. I, I just remember thinking if I've only gone one centimeter, I'm going to need um, an epidural because I'm going to pass out. It was like all the, I think just cause I never got a break. I felt like I could never catch like catch up. Like the Pitocin made it so close together. And so just more intense that I felt like I couldn't even like focus on anything um, other than just like getting through to the next one, you know? The confluence of events for our listeners is second baby. So once you hit the active phase, you're often going much quicker. Plus that little bit of jump into Pitocin because your actual Pitocin got lowered and turned off right before he came out. And then a fast, you're, you're, you're normal. And all of that just came careening to a crescendo. And then whammo, it was out. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a little, it was a little less, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that John looked so startled that it was over with. Well, when we first checked in, he was jumping up and down next to me going, let's get this show started. I was mm -hmm. like, please go away. Like... <laughs> go do something nothing is happening like nobody's coming in until nine they just checked me in at six I don't know why like that's when the room was open you know like right, right. go do something take a nap I don't know get some breakfast <laughs> all right so tell us a little bit about Coco uh, well Coco was six days late I think I remember my OB saying I'm not gonna let you go much later but I kept, I think I went in, you know, after you get past 39-ish, I think I went in a few, like quite a few times, more than once a week. Um, and for yes. non-stressed and to, and to and be examined. And yeah. she, I mm -hmm. saw her that morning. I saw her the morning that Kogo mm -hmm. came out. I was only one centimeter and I wasn't even fully effaced. Uh, which I was confused about. And I texted Liz about a billion times because in, in class, your, your cervix yeah. doesn't efface entirely yeah. the third time. 
Forget about like, the well, You know, I thought it was efface first, <laughs> then dilate, and I was like, how am I both? But anyway. Um, and so I saw her that morning. She said, it's not going to be today. You're only one. You're not, you know, fully effaced. Like, we should schedule induction, which I think I had a date, but I don't remember what it is now. Um, but I wasn't feeling great that day. I, I sort I get migraines and I sort of felt like I was having a migraine. So I went home. I actually had a massage because I was like, I just can't get a migraine right now. Like, what if I get a migraine and I have to give birth the next day? Like, that would be horrible. Um, and I just remember like picking like a normal day. Like I had a massage when my kids were out school. My parents were here, which is always, this is a just a me thing, but with my second and my third, I always felt like not having a plan for them of who was going to be at my house was like an added layer of anxiety that kept the baby in. So stressful. You know? Yes. Yeah. Like especially with Max, I was like, I, I don't know why I always thought I was going to go in the middle of the night, probably because Maya's was in the middle of the night, but that's the only reason. So I was like, what if it happens at 2 a.m. and John's parents are asleep and they don't answer the phone? And, I, you know, just like all these silly, but like not silly thoughts, you know? Um, so real. Yeah. And luckily with um, Coco, my parents were visiting. Uh, and, you know, I just like I got the kids from school, we ordered dinner, I was eating dinner with them. And I remember Max like sitting on me. And then I was like, Oh, my God, I'm having a contraction. Like, you can't sit on me. It was probably six o'clock, maybe. And then I like I left and went upstairs. I got in the bath to see if they would stop. And then Liz was like, what are you doing? You don't want them to stop your, <laughs> your six days pass. Yeah. But I don't even remember how far I was when before we went to the hospital, I think we just like got ready and went. Oh, you were five. To, you were five to six in the bathtub when you were huffing. I, it was like yeah. this morning. Yeah, I was nothing. Like, you know, Doctor Crook was like, "It's not today." So, um, I think we called her a yeah. bit late, but I think we got to UCLA around eight. I think she came out around nine, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we weren't there no, very long. Which ago. was great because I was like yeah. third kid. I don't want to be here. I was. I literally am like that psycho that's like, can you discharge yeah. me right now? <laughs> I went to your house because you told me you were one that morning, so I didn't want to yeah. go at one again. I thought, all right, well, let's just go. And then she, Sunny was in the bathtub. We, you know, relaxing, and then she was really looking uncomfortable. But third baby, you know what you're doing. You weren't very. You weren't loud. You were very focused. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to check what we call the head well applied to the cervix, all head bulging bag, five, six centimeters thin. And I'm like, we're going to, if she ruptures her bag, this baby's coming in the bathtub, which would have been fine, but we don't want to do something like that unless it's pre-planned that we have everything we need and that we have a certified or a licensed midwife present. And that was her choice. So that was sort of, I wasn't concerned about the baby coming. I just didn't want her to have the baby at home or worse in the car. So that was my, uh, my, we did, we did make it, but I know it was a little bit of a rocky ride. I followed them there. 
And um, there was very little time in labor and delivery. They popped in an IV just in at, just in case. And then you're going to think I'm so crazy, but I literally them putting in the IV every time is like the worst thing of yeah. all of it. She hated I'm that. always like, yeah, do I'm not going to be here for long. Do you need to do that? <laughs> and Liz is, Liz is always like, yes, they do. <laughs> so quick question. It's considering that you tend to have really fast labors um, and that you're mm. pregnant with number mm-hmm. four, you're still planning a hospital mm-hmm. birth? Yeah. Have you ever con- considered a um, birth? And if so, why? If not, why? I'm sort of, well, not sort of. My husband would say I'm a very risk-adverse person. Um, and I just kind of have too many like what ifs but I don't know I mean maybe I would have for Maya but I was too anxious with her and then with this one or any of the subsequent ones to be honest I think a lot of people um, appreciate having a lot of their family around when you know this like special thing happens but for me it's like I if my Let's say I go into labor at five o'clock and all my kids are home. Like, I, I can't deal with like people coming in. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't want them to feel like they're in their house. They can't come in to see me or they can. And I'm like, I sound like a barn animal, you know? Like, <laughs> um, I think for like right now, it's it's the, you know, I mean, like I said earlier, I was so lucky to have an like zero complications with Maya, but, and I don't know if it's because like everything just gets, has gotten more and more advanced, even in the nine years since I was pregnant with her, but it's like, you know, they just know so much more. There's always the what ifs. And it's like, there's just so many more things that I'm, you just never know, you know? And so I'd rather be in a place where there's, a fully staffed NICU or whatever other things may happen that I don't know you know even if I do live close to St. John's it's not like three seconds away yeah it's where you feel safest and I just want to say also that I Shana and I completely understand that Shana had births with midwives and in a hospital and I have friends and that are midwives and do tons and tons of home births it is just a complete personal feeling. There's always just that one lingering thing. Whereas some people may say, I want a fully staffed NICU. And then other people will say, I don't want to be in the hospital with, the- you know, I don't want to be in that consciousness. I don't want to be in the medical environment, but you also, yeah. yeah Sunny had three really great experiences. I think, I mean, overall the big picture and we are hoping to repeat I mean, that again. Let's, let's, I'm let's so excited. So. I'm- quite a bit older this time around so <laughs> will you come will you come back and talk to us about this next young sure anytime that was our interview with sunny bearish she is a mom a wife and she is pregnant with her fourth baby it was such a fun time to just hear about how she prepared for having a baby her very first baby and how it's just progressed into her family life now. Our next episode with her is all about 
postpartum and how she and her husband figured out that newborn stage together. So I hope you guys listen to that next episode too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.